That's kind of like the distortion plugin we have. We have a thing called the Funk. It has a very dumb name on purpose because we that, made yeah. it in a day. Um, <laughs> and we we were just like very excited by the idea that if there were any cool, noteworthy producers that reviewed it, they would be using words like zikete and Laglorgans to like describe like the knobs in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that was just like a fun experiment of just like what types of weird random distortions can we create by just slapping random lines of cone together. Random lines of cone. Code. There you go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. My name is Robert Fumo, still on holiday recording these intros on a iPhone memo app. So sorry for the quality. But there are beautiful chirping birds in the in the background. Today we have a great show for you. We have Paper Skies. Paper Skies is a Toronto, Canada-based DJ, globe-trotting performer, visual artist as far as graphic design, and also makes plugins. Him and a good friend have created Zynth Audio. They just released a plugin called Resonator. It is a upgraded and next level version of the Ableton Resonator plugin. Uh, Virtual Riot has some video content using this particular plugin. It is definitely uh, the buzz. Check out Zynth Audio. Paper Skies also has an album dropping very soon, so keep your ears open for that. Definitely tour dates and other things to be had. All social media links and his YouTube channel will be linked in the description. He also creates visual effects and videos for all of his uh, songs that he releases on YouTube. So go to uh, Paper Sky's YouTube channel to check all that out. MrBillsTunes.com forward slash tour for all of Mr. Bill's upcoming tour dates. Set up a Band is in Town notification system for that. And MrBillsTunes.com for all your tutorial needs in getting better at music production. It is a one-stop shop for anybody looking to take their game to the next level. MrBillsTunes.com and let me quit with my blah, blah, blah and let's get to Paper Skies. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. And we are doing it. All right, man. Welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I put a post up the other day on the internet and was like, who should I get? And a bunch of people were like, paper skies. So, uh, so here we are. Sick. Uh, yeah, man. So I don't actually know a ton about your career um, or the kind of things that you're into. And I usually just off the cuff these and it's generally with people that I know quite well. So... <laughs> Um, and sometimes people who I don't know well either, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where to begin with this. I know that we like met that one time in San Francisco when you and a bunch yeah. of friends of yours were going to that um, Porter Robinson thing. And yeah. that was cool. Like um, got to hang out with you, D- Def Sharp, Eli Derp, um, K- uh, fuck, Kazuki, it. yeah. Kazuki, yeah, that dude's awesome. Um, yeah, no, that was cool. Uh, seeing all you guys there, I mean, it's just crazy walking into a room of <coughs> kids who are like 17 years old and they're like, all right, I'm going to play my tune next. And they play it and it's like the sickest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then next kid is like, all right, I'm going to play this. And it's the sickest thing I've ever heard again. And I'm just like, Jesus yeah, Christ, man, I'm going to go home and work harder. I remember hearing you mention it in the Anomaly podcast that you did, which was a really good episode, by the way, too. Um but you were like, yeah, I walked in and all these kids, like they weren't using any of the studio equipment in the studio. They just had their headphones and their laptops. <laughs> I heard I heard back to that and was like, what the fuck were we supposed to do? <laughs> like, to be honest, we, we'd walked in there and it was like half of the studio was like dismantled and we just couldn't really like get any of the equipment working properly. So we just kind of 
stuck to what we knew. And then we, when we saw you walk in, we obviously got the vibe of like, okay, now we have a real audio engineer in the room who's actually worked with physical things. Um, it, <laughs> well, it was a fun time though. We all got to work on a lot of music. Yeah. The, the thing is though, is like, um, it just kind of speaks to how music is actually made these days, right? Like you can yeah. go into a studio and uh, more powerful than using all of the gear in the studio is just to sit your laptop on the mixing desk and just work on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For us, it was more like just getting everyone together to work on music. Um, I know it's it's changed a lot and ever since like Discord has come about, but all of the friends that I have in the music community are people that I just have met online all across the world. Um, and we all came together there for Second Sky, which was the Porter Robinson Music Festival, mm. um, and decided to book a studio session. So for the first time, we could have just an in-person session of working on music. And to be honest, there was nothing that was like super, super productive that came out of that besides a house EP that we made by just all having like 30 minutes to make a house tune. Um, but it was it was nice to just have everyone together after like some of these guys have known for like eight years and we'd never met in person or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say that making a house AP is pretty productive. Uh, <laughs> we didn't put it out, but who knows? Maybe sometime. I feel like an EP worth of music is as much as some artists who are selling out stadiums have released in their entire careers. So. <laughs> That's fair enough, man. It's all it's all marketing in the music scene, it seems like nowadays anyway. So the music is actually getting less important, if you ask me. Yeah, well, it's not one thing, right? It's like a bunch of things. It's got to do with the music. It's got to do with the marketing, the brand, all that kind of stuff. I think uh, at the very, very root of it, though, um, what I've noticed anyway is it's pretty much what anyone can identify with and feel like them identifying with that thing makes them a certain type of person and gives them a certain type of value just for liking the thing. So yeah. for instance, like uh, Bass Nectar fans, right? They're like, I like Bass Nectar or Excision fans. They're like, I like Excision. I'm going to go to the show. I'm going to throw throw my X up and like, yeah. uh, and this makes me a certain kind of person. And just by liking this thing or whatever, it like, you know, um, <clears throat> imparts certain values on me as a person or whatever, right? It's like an identity thing, I think. And that's, if you can- That's part of like- being an artist is the identity thing for sure. But I think nowadays, like the bigger challenge is just getting the name out there. Like when you mention names like Bass Nectar and Excision, it's like they're very like foundational names in dubstep nowadays. Um, and everyone's heard their name at least once just because of the amount of ears that they were able to reach. And the problem nowadays, I think, I think there's so many insanely talented producers out there and insanely talented artists in general. I want to separate those two words. Artists being like someone that actually has a creative vision and a creative sound that they're, they're striving for and everything. But the problem is that they just can't get enough ears to actually catch their stuff for them to to get over those walls and start getting booked for festivals and anything bigger than just the SoundCloud community and some good Spotify stats, you know? Yeah, and what is that? What do you think it is that uh, would, would get enough ears on something or get somebody uh, enough sort of like clout and say uh, collective respect or collective... Um, attention to sort of take their career from being just obviously a really sick producer, like pretty much all yeah. the people in that room were that that time, to being you know at the level of maybe not bass nectar or excision, but like say maybe at the level of you know somebody like me even who who's able because yeah. I mean like all of you uh, in that room were like in my opinion equally as good producers as I am, and appreciate it. I yeah I, I don't really understand the difference like in terms because all of your branding is also good and you you guys also all cross social media because you know you grew up with that stuff you kind of probably know how to Mm -hmm. use it better than i do and like you know probably Mm -hmm. you know how to probably understand data and analytics better than i do and stuff like that as well and there's i think two sides to it it's like you need to be rather very consistent or you need to simply just do something that no one has ever done before and and find a way to showcase it very quickly and very well. Like if you look at an artist like um, maybe Fred again, for example, who's just like exploded in the last you know short amount of time, um, he had that boiler room set. And that one set is, I think, what took him from the EDM community to a bit more of a, I don't know, a household name. I don't know if I'd say household name for sure, but like my family now knows who Fred again is. My girlfriend now knows who Fred again is. And it was because of that viral sensational clip of, him being in that room, the energy was there and he did something that most people 
like if you want to just compare to the whole scale of the, the planet haven't seen before which is this whole like finger drumming technique where he's going crazy and really working up the room in this like underground setting um when people see something that they haven't seen ever before and it's interesting and high energy and especially in that video you can see other people getting excited about it it's it's a lot easier to connect to so that's that's the one option is do something completely different or at least completely different to the average viewer and find a way for to captivate them and then the second method would just be like be as consistent as possible. Um, and an artist I would think of like that, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of an artist named Amorphic. Um, he played Lost Lands this year. It was his first year and he's had like a huge blow up. I watched him go from like 2,000 followers, let's say, or something on his socials to like 40,000 in a matter of like two or three months. Um, and it was just consistency of him posting clips of him DJing. And there were great clips and he would post one every single day and things like algorithm catch on and people are sharing to their stories. The next thing you know, like he is grown very, very quickly to a notable name in dubstep. Mm. Right, to the point now where if somebody sees that name and they're into dubstep and he's playing in their city, they know I go to that show and I will get exactly this thing and therefore yeah. I'm going to go spend my money to go to that show because I want yeah. that thing. Like I know Heedy went to Lost Lands the year previous and he wasn't playing and he did a, a meetup and he posted like a before and after of like, this year or 2022 versus 2021 and there was a few people the first year then he had this big blow up of just social media posting his the clips over and over again of him djing um and i was walking around at lost lands with some friends and i just see a ginormous crowd of people all circling into this random hill and i was like oh what artist meet and greet is going on there is it sudden death or virtual riot or something and um and it was amorphic and i was like very pleasantly surprised to see um and it's just a matter of consistency. I think Amorphic is, is a great artist. And I think that there are hundreds of artists that are just as good as him. It's just that he found a method of promoting himself that is consistent. He can do it every day without burning himself out. And mm. it works to just constantly be a gate for new people to discover his music. So it sounds like in the case of both Fredigan and Amorphic, it's not necessarily that they did something different. It's that they did something the same but a little bit unique within that sameness and then just did yeah. really sick marketing. Uh, Fred again with the boiler room thing and Amorphic with his crazy, uh, you know, DJing clips just that he was posting all the time. Yeah, to clarify it, I think with Fred again, it was like he had one very exciting, exhilarating moment that looked phenomenal on camera. And when he posted it, it was just, it just exploded. It was mm. just something that, the average person, the non-EDM listener hadn't seen before and you can feel the excitement coming off the clip. So that was that thing when I say being unique. It's just how do you have that one big blow-up moment? And that's partially a lot of luck and a lot of timing. Um, you can't really predict that sort of thing. And then with Amorphic, it was it was the consistency. It was the fact that every single day he was posting this content and targeting the direct audience that he was looking to reach. And he just, he found a formula that worked for him, you know? Right. Yeah, I want to say that you pretty much can do all of this stuff if you just get extremely good at marketing. And yeah. I think at some point, um, like AI, if it's good enough to look at an image and be like, this is a really complex <laughs> image and recreate it, or it's good enough to listen to like a thousand hours of music and then recreate like pretty believable versions of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's also good enough. Uh, and in fact, probably would find it easier to look at a set, uh, like a data set of um, doing a case study on an artist, like whoever, Fred again or Amorphic, and being yeah. like, all right, they did this, 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 and this, and then just generate a thousand Fredigans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like at this point, so, like the video, right, is like something that will be able to be generated by AI. The music is something that will be able to be generated. The marketing plan is already being generated by AI. Like you see those ads online already saying yeah, like, yeah. hey, do you need help writing your marketing copy? I fucking wrote it with this thing. Or like, you know, you got chat GPT-3 <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. I think at some point you're really just going to end up with like you know, the, these, these algorithms and systems that can just be like, boom, like spit out exactly what the person wants. And really at that I point is, is like, is anybody individually going to be able to take claim for the fame or are we just on our end user devices going to be sitting there getting exactly what we want all day every day which is almost what I we're think, kind of getting right now anyway 
some of those AI marketing things though seem pretty obvious. Like I think the issue when it comes to people marketing is that they just don't think about how much content they're actually creating on a day-to-day basis subconsciously. It's like, even with this podcast, you can take one episode and snip like 20 different 30 second clips out of it that might have like one piece that really resonates with a lot of people. Mm. And if you just post those clips and you do one every day consistently, even if they're only getting say a couple thousand views and you're used to your songs getting a couple 10,000 views, it's still a gateway for new people to discover your stuff and then get locked in and, and find that better content, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, for example, what I've been doing, um, I'm only on my third post now of, of trying this, but it's been going really, really well for me, is I'm just taking... I'm not telling people whether it's an unreleased song or a release song, but I'm opening up a project file for a track that exists and I'm just playing through a part of it and then having a catchy header that sort of gets people's attention. And I'm just posting one clip every day of songs of mine. And it might be an unreleased song. It might be a release song. I don't state whether it is or not. And people that have been like, you know, fans of my music for a long time per se are finding old releases of mine, thinking it's a new unreleased song. And are commenting things like, whoa, like you're snapping in 2023. This is insane, man. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is this is from 2019. Like, <laughs> this has been on my discography for so long. You just didn't get to the second drop of the song sort of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the same thing happened to Mersive. Um, he used to write music under the name like Benoit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me a long time ago that he just had all of these songs that were released under this other name. They were on SoundCloud and everything. They had a few thousand views. Um, yep. And then he just took them all down, rebranded himself as Mersive, released the exact same songs again, and they all got like a million plays. Yeah, hundred like, percent. It's, it's literally <laughs> just a, again, I think people being able to identify with it, like people being able to look at a thing, be like, "I get it. This makes sense to me. I feel smart. I don't feel challenged. I feel comfortable. This is sick." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I've been preaching this on social media recently, which is like just re-promote your old music, like. We like I've been making music for eight years now, and that is that's eight years of potential content that is not difficult to share. I can sit on my phone and like I'll open up a project file, open OBS, hit record, edit a small little Instagram reel, a thirty second video. The whole process probably takes me about ten to twenty minutes to get the post up from start to finish, and. The last three that I've done have just helped me tremendously. Like there are now tons of artists reaching out to me saying, hey, do you offer lessons? Like, how did you do that? They're sharing my old songs, asking about it, using it in their own posts. Um, like you can, I feel like artists just maybe, and I, I'm, I was included in this for a very long time, but just undervalue the value of your old material, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at your Twitter now. Is this Harma image resynthesis one of them? Yeah, yeah, I just did that one today, like just before the podcast. Gotcha. Okay, I see. Sick breakbeat flows. It's going more. Yeah, three hundred sixty-four likes on a on an account that has five thousand followers is is crazy. Like, yeah, for me to get three hundred likes on a tweet these days, and this other one, yeah, four hundred. Yeah, for me to get three hundred likes on a tweet, I'm like, damn, it's like one of the best tweets I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Twitter's weird like that, man. It's it's like people have to be very in the moment connected. You could have 20,000 followers on a Twitter page and, you know, get 10 likes on a post. It's strange. Yeah, my last few tweets, man, like 20, 30 likes, you know. Actually, I did do that one the other day, um, which again was like one of those shorts where I um, told everybody to go clip their master. And I- yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's yeah. what I mean. It's a short post that has an effective headline and it gets people questioning things. And you could... That clip, the master thing, you could have shown a song from four years ago or something and people would have gone, whoa, what's this unreleased track? Oh, it's something I've been doing for ages. (laughs) And it's something I've talked about in streams over and over again. I've put it in YouTube tutorials before. It's like everything. But it's like, yeah, exactly. Just giving it to them in that short uh, ADD bite-sized thing and people like all of a sudden losing their shit on it. A lot of people say like, oh, I can't stand how content is so bite-sized nowadays. I totally, totally agree with that on a lot of different, I guess, qualities. Um, But the one benefit it does have is now I can post content daily without having to put much effort into it and see double the time the reward as it would have taken me to back in the day, like do a whole track breakdown on YouTube, you know? Well, those people complaining about it are honestly probably the reason why it exists in the first place because you like you realize that a lot of those artists making that bite-sized content, if you go down the rabbit hole of that artist discography or what they've done in the past or anything like that, I'm sure you can find longer things that they've done. It's just that totally, the algorithm yeah. is not showing it to you because you don't interact with the longer shit. And mm-hmm. basically the algorithm doesn't lie. I mean, it doesn't have a bias. Like it doesn't give a fuck like whether or not like... <laughs> 
you like it or not. All it wants is your attention so it can show you more ads, so it can eat up more of your time, so it can keep you on a platform for longer. That's all it gives a shit about. So I guess it does that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) So as long as you're doing those things, it's going to keep feeding you content to make you keep doing those things. So for instance, Mm -hmm. like if I log on to my YouTube channel, for instance, it's generally showing me like pretty long documentaries and shit most of the time. Whereas if I look at a friend of mine who I, who's like a known fucking God tier memer on my discord server and they're streaming or something yeah. like that and they open their YouTube channel, you can just tell because it's, like it's like second clips. Yeah, it's all just around. shorts only. It's like <laughs> Andrew Tate videos, like Joe Rogan's oh thoughts on like this gorilla and shit, like just all these extremely short videos, you know, it's like, well, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you watch because it wants to keep your attention there. Yeah, yeah. It knows it keeps people invested in that content. Attention is extremely valuable. If you can keep somebody's attention, uh, you can then start to radicalize them with ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you can start to radicalize enough people with ideas, you can start like, you know, pretty large movements. For instance, yep. I like mountain biking, right? And if I sit mm-hmm. on uh, YouTube and I watch a bunch of mountain biking videos, I, I've noticed myself getting off that mountain biking video binge going like, hmm, doing like a 60-foot jump on a mountain bike is actually not that crazy. And, and if I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> yes, it is. That's fucking insane. Why would yeah. I do I would, There's no way I would ever do that. And then I think about it, I'm like, that is radicalization right there. I've been radicalized by watching some fucking Red Bull Rampage or something. Some crazy stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much the opposite. I used to do a lot of urban exploration back in the day. I think anyone that has known me like pre-COVID sort of knows that. Like a big part of my branding and my album covers and everything was just photos that I had taken while I was like exploring an abandoned subway tunnel or, you know, hanging off a crane or something ridiculous like that. You were hanging done that off stuff. cranes? Yes, I was. <laughs> As in I like mean, um, that, what's that guy's name? Brian, someone, James, James, someone. I don't know. There's plenty of these free climbing people that do that sort of he's, stuff. Yeah, he's but like there was, the main one. What's the fucking guy's name? James, uh, I'm just going to type in James Crane. Type it in, type it in. Uh, no, not James Crane. <laughs> <laughs> James Kingston. James Kingston. I don't think I've heard of him actually. Which is surprising because I feel he like, I know like a lot of people that work six hundred and fifty thousand subs. But yeah, this dude does that same shit. He'll like climb like four or five hundred meter cranes that have mm-hmm. like lights on the top of them to warn airplanes and shit. And he'll yeah. just like climb all the way out to the end of the crane arm and just hang off it. And he was on Joe Rogan talking about it. And he was like, Yeah, that particular one was like pretty greasy and shit, so it was hard to hold on to. It's like, dude, Ugh. why are you hanging on to a greasy ass crane arm? That you could that's crazy easily fall fall off. It's yeah, it's insane. Here, hold on, I'll, I'll show you one of these videos. Um, let's see, James Kingston, pull it up, Jamie. So, <laughs> I'm I'm Jamie now. They always do it with the red circle. Angry cop. Uh, this is rooftop parkour. He free climbed Wembley, uh, mm-hmm. climbing down the tallest crane in Dubai. Climbing a 175-meter south bank crane in London. I mean, this shit is just, this is ridiculous. Like, you weren't doing this shit, Yeah, so, so I used to do similar things, but without the um, the theatrics of it. What do you mean theatrics? It was like, like, I feel like these guys on YouTube, like, the whole point is they're trying to make it look very scary and life-threatening. It and is look how scary I was and life-threatening. death, you know? For me, it was like... Me and my friends would would go up these buildings and we would just do it simply to just catch the view and to just like have nice conversations. It, it sounds really strange, but um, I just had friends that were very interested in free climbing and they were photographers and they did it to build their social media. Are you telling me that is just, not scary on life? That's things? absurd. No, that's that's absurd. There's no reason you should ever be doing that. So when I say when I mentioned the climbing crane stuff, um, there was only one time ever where I actually did hang over the side of the crane and I, I both regret it, but don't regret it, where it was like, I did it purely out of adrenaline. It was the first time I had ever been up on a crane or something like that. And I would, I'd been free climbing for a very long time and doing a lot of parkour stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, look, I'm going to hang off. And I, I vividly remember the moment of looking down and just seeing my feet dangling above like hundreds of hundreds of feet in the air and not being scared at all. It was just something to me that was like, it felt like something that only... I could ever do like I was one of the few people on the planet that would ever do something like that and then immediately my friends that I were with were like 
hey man, like, hey, you should, you should stop doing that. Get down, get down. And as soon as I was off the crane, they just belted into me. They just ripped into me like, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking idiot. Like what would have happened if you fell in it? it? I'm glad they did. It really clicked it into place and I never did anything like that again. So I would still, yes, climb buildings, but I wasn't like sitting on the edge of them or trying to do anything absurd. It was just like literally going up there for a view and to have a nice conversation with some friends. And that's about it. But there was an area, yeah, pre-COVID where I don't know. I guess I just didn't care. I was doing some pretty crazy things and now I maybe value my life a bit more. So I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these people, clearly they don't think it's going to kill them to do it or they probably wouldn't do it. It doesn't seem like they're suicidal. It just seems like they want to, you know, do something crazy, get an adrenaline rush. Obviously they make money doing it now because of the YouTube thing. I I wonder if they do make money or whether it just like kind of breaks even at this point because um, of all the probably fines that they're getting from governments and councils and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. Everything I did was, I mean, when I was still very like young, I wasn't even a full adult at that point yet. So I don't know what the repercussions were of that, to be honest, but I've just from now decided, you know, I had my time, I got those experiences, I have the memories and that's all I really needed. It didn't have to be a big thing on camera that I was going to throw up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Are you into rock climbing? Uh, yeah, I've actually been doing some rock climbing recently with a friend. Nice, free, nice, like bouldering or... Uh, top- yeah, bouldering stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, I prefer top roping. It seems a little safer. But mm-hmm. uh, bouldering is, is sick. Um, the free climbing stuff is crazy, though I think it's funny how some people um, freak out and they're like, oh, man, he's like 3,000 feet up. It's like, man, after 50 feet up, it doesn't matter. Like after 50... <laughs> exactly, up, Anywhere from 50 feet to three and a half thousand feet he's dead so like yeah as soon as you get over 50 feet who gives a shit and but i haven't done anything quite that intense yet but yeah totally as soon as you're over 50 feet it's there's no difference if you fall you're you're done (laughs) yeah exactly it's like (laughs) 30 to 50 feet is like the goldilocks zone of vegetation vegetable tation whatever you want to (laughs) that shit all turn turn you into a vegetable and then 50 feet above dead yeah something like that so yeah, I, don't I think know. I, I always like just think it's funny that that, that people uh, in their mind think that like this other thing is so much more extreme and crazy. It's like it's it's really no more more extreme than somebody climbing like a fifty to a hundred foot wall. Yeah, in terms of like risk. I, yeah. Obviously, in terms of endurance, though, it's like fucking crazy for somebody to be climbing a. It's a intense. Wall for it's really hours. intense. Yeah. Even like, yeah, I'll go to like a bouldering gym um, where it's like all matted up and everything and just climbing for like after an hour, it's like you, you can feel your hands. They can't even like open and close properly anymore. You just get locked into a position of just holding onto rocks. Mm-hmm. My pinky um, yeah. gets that from producing. Like, I'll, Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> when I produce, I do this all the time. It's like a twitch I have. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of a day, like if I do a solid 12, 12 hour day, my finger will kind of get stuck like that sometimes. And I keep my pinky up when I'm holding my mouse, so it just gets locked in place. It's like I'm sipping a cup of tea or something <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I cannot do that. Yeah, definitely. I like just grab it and sort of, I don't know, <laughs> I click like my knuckle constantly when I'm doing it, basically. I, I you can tell when someone is a producer just based on their hand like there's always that right by your wrist there's this this bone like if I'm holding my right hand right now on the left side of my hand here where it, that's always resting against the table mm. and I just have like a big tough bit of skin there from constantly <laughs> holding my mouse on the table I don't know if it's like also a quote-unquote gamer thing too but mm. it's like all my producer friends relate <laughs> <laughs> what games do you play um, not really many, to be honest. It was like, as a kid growing up, I was really, really obsessed with video games, like especially anything Nintendo. I had like every console, every game I could buy and every dollar I made from mowing people's lawns on my street was just put towards buying the new Super Mario Sunshine or something. Yeah, um, Super Mario is sick. I, did, you, did you get the Switch? Uh, I did get the Switch, yeah. Did you finish uh, Super Mario Odyssey? I did finish Odyssey. There are very few games I will play and finish nowadays because just producing just took over all that time as soon as Mm -hmm. I got into producing. Like I I really enjoy making music as much of like way more actually than I do like playing a video game. I kind of like get in this weird headspace when I'm playing video games sometimes where there's this voice in the back of my head that's like, you're not working, you're not making content, you're not making music, you're not Mm -hmm. doing your schoolwork, like other priorities need to be in place. Um, But... Yeah, very few games. There was like the Mario game, Mario Odyssey. Uh, there was the new Zelda game, that open world one. Uh, it was very fun. Breath of the Wild. And uh, yeah, and I'm playing the new Sonic Frontiers game at the moment right now. I like platformer sort of stuff. Yeah, I uh, I played 
um, Odyssey, and I got a bunch of those whatever they were called, the moons. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I was I was like pretty. I was doing pretty well, and then um, my switch just decided to break one day, and it was a mid really? fucking plane ride that it broke too. And I was like, that no, sucks. all my moons, bro. I was, <laughs> I was pretty pissed. Were you like heading to a show or something? Yeah, so so I just had the switch mainly for doing shit on planes because um, yep. I, I don't like to, you know, just. I, I honestly don't really like Can watching. You sleep on planes? Um, not really. I can, but it's like it's shitty sleep, so I don't really even try to bother yeah. that much. Uh, I can't even really sleep in hotels, man. Like I can barely sleep at home. Like my <laughs> my sleep is so fucked. It's it's horrible. I like um, take my hoodies off and shove them in between the seats in a certain order. I've got like a go-to sleeping position on planes when the seats like don't recline or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I get I get this like weird FOMO thing about sleep where I think if I go to sleep, I'm gonna miss out on all the sick shit. So, miss out on the three-hour plane ride. Miss out on <laughs> just the something. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, some, <laughs> seatbelt light. Some something that just uh, something about sleep. You know, I feel like I'm missing out. So, I think that's me when I play video games too, man. It's it's just the fear of of, of missing out on something that I could be doing. Whether it's just even just chatting with friends. Like I'd, I'd prefer to be in a Discord call talking with friends and either getting you know a cool memory out of it or a valuable production tip or something that I would like just sitting by myself playing a video game. I think I get very very lonely very quickly. Like I don't do too well in isolation. Hmm. Interesting. So would, would you say you're like more of an extrovert than an introvert? I, I was a huge introvert growing up. I remember when I first went into high school, um, I had transitioned into like a, a private school. So there was the students there were, for lack of words, I guess like more posh or something. Um, and just the, the lingo and the way that I was and the way I dressed and talked like did not match up with that personality of people when I went into high school. Um, so I became very, very introverted very quickly from previous being in kind of a middle ground. Um, and it wasn't until uh, probably about my 12th grade in school where I started to be more introverted. I had this, this big realization um, in life. This was around the time when I stopped doing the rooftoping and stuff too, that I just felt like I was I was being an idiot. I didn't know what I, I wanted in life. I didn't know myself too well. I was just constantly trying to please other people and, and do things for other people. Um, and I had this big realization where my whole life just changed and I became very focused on trying to become more outgoing. And it's to a point now where when people meet me, I'm definitely very, very, very extroverted. Um, and they're, they're, they get kind of shocked by the fact that I even claim I could have been an introvert at a point. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I feel like over the years I've become probably more introverted. I, I remember when I was, yep. when I was younger, especially when I was like really young, this is before I even remember, my parents told me that like uh, we were on a flight from Australia to New Zealand because my father's from New Zealand. And they said I literally just like walked down the entire plane and had a conversation with every single person on the plane. This when I, when I was like four years old or something. Yeah. Um, and I remember doing that all the way up until I was like, I don't know, in like probably fourth grade or something. Like every single person I would meet, I would have a conversation with. Um, That's like when reality hits though. Like you start like having your own thoughts, I feel like. <laughs> Anxieties and shit. Yeah, you start going like, yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Like you become self-aware about the fact that like maybe I'm pissing exactly. this That's other person off for. by doing this or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before that I was just like. Self-awareness hits. Yeah, before that I was just like, it's all about me and I enjoy having a conversation, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think over the years I've become more and more introverted to the point now where I just live by myself and just do my own thing. And I get a lot of value from like long form conversation like this, but <clears throat> I fucking cannot stand small talk at all. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll avoid going out to like get my mail if I see my neighbor and shit there and stuff just because I'm like, I know uh, I know he's going to be like, hey, and I'm going to be like, hey, and then he's going to be like, so how about that uh, sun that's up there? And I'll be like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> sure, it's up there. <laughs> it depends on the person for me. Like, yeah, with, with something like seeing a neighbor, it's like you really have no idea what to talk to. But when I'm out and I'm and completely random people speak to me, I, I get a lot of pleasure out of that. Like I really like meeting people that are just in a totally – I don't know, random situation that I know absolutely zero about. I don't even know where to start the conversation because I think every person has something to attain value-wise. Like I know recently I've befriended like this guy on the subway who every day when I'm on my way to classes um, uh, at university, I, I go by this guy who's playing guitar 
And I got into a habit of just saying, hey, good morning, man, to him every day. Um, and I stopped and talked to him one day and, and we chatted for like, ended up being a whole 40 minutes. And he told me that he was this world touring guitarist and he was in a rock band. Um, and he just, he got old and he still loved playing for people, but he, the band had disbanded and everything. So he just plays on the subway now. And I got so much value out of just having a conversation with this totally random person out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what do you study? Uh, I'm doing graphic design right now. And hmm. like I started designing at the exact same time I started making music because I started making music being inspired by uh, the Virtual Riot Lunar live stream, if you know that one. It's like in my generation, it's become sort of, I don't know, everyone knows it. <laughs> um, but I watched that. I started producing. I made my first track and two days later, I needed an album cover. So I just started looking for free software to design and kind of began a design journey along with music production. The Making of Luna, Virtual Riot, Livestream 1. That's the one. <laughs> oh, so it's like a three and a half hour live stream where he's in Cubase doing... I think so, yeah. Serum. Huh. And why, why did in, this one get so specifically, um, so specifically important in your scene? I'm not too sure. I think it was just the one time that he like really, really showed his entire production process from start to finish and connected them when I could be wrong but mm. I just know as a kid like I, I found his music and and became like a big fan of it very very quickly um, and I remember I think it was Panda Eyes or something had was doing a live stream and then I f discovered Twitch and, and live streaming and I immediately saw if Virtual Ride had one mm. and that was the first stream that I'd ever saw from him was this lunar live stream and it was the whole thing was uploaded to YouTube by Underscores who's actually now like a very big uh, hyper pop artist and a completely separate genre, which is dope. Um, mm. Underscores is sick, but yeah, just it just seems like everyone was watching that stream, and I know plenty of other producers that will say like, "Oh, that stream is what inspired me to start making music," and it was the same mm. case for me. Huh? Yeah, it's also it was like seven years ago too. It looks like so it was a long time, yeah. or 2015 or something. So it's kind of, I feel like at that time there was definitely tutorials online. Like I had a bunch. Tom Cosm had a bunch. Um, there was a lot of tutorials yeah. online, but. Um, probably no extremely good ones for dubstep. And he was definitely one of the people I think out there who was uh, doing dubstep well from the get-go kind of and also willing to share his information on how he was making it. Because I feel like a lot of those how to make Skrillex bass sounds like there was sort of this uh, arms race as to who could get the Skrillex bass yeah. sound the closest first or whatever. And I think he was... I remember that too. <laughs> definitely him and 85 were like leading the way there, I think. I think what made his video stand out though was just the the personality behind it and the tangents that he would randomly go off on. Like it felt a lot less like a production tutorial or a breakdown of something or it, it was less technical and, and more personal where he was just like, I'm going to make a song. And then he'd jam out on the piano and then ask people in the chat, oh, what do you think about this? Maybe I should <laughs> change that. It was a lot of back and forth discussion um, and a lot of just random tangents that didn't involve actually making the song in full. And there was just something more personally connecting about that than like, oh, here's how you do this and FM this from this and then open up this software and use this. It, it wasn't instructional. It was just like we were on the same page as him watching it where we just wanted to see what happened next, you know? Yeah, speaking of Virtual Riot, have you watched his new Studio Time episodes that he's been putting out? I have, and he was actually playing around with a plugin that I've made in it called Resonator. Um, Wait, you made that plugin? I, yeah. Wait, so you're a part of uh, what? Cat, wait. Synth Audio. Oh, really? So you're a programmer as well? No, not really, actually. So that company is is just me and my mate, SpeechRes. Um, he does really all of the programming. Like, he is the brains behind the company. But it started off where he remade the Ableton Resonator, and he's been getting into the idea of coding plugins. He was talking about it for years. Hmm. Um, and I've known Mark uh, SpeechRes uh, for like seven years now since the start of my production journey. Um, something around that time, I think. And um, and he remade the Ableton Resonator, and I was like, "Yo, this is really cool. Have you thought about doing anything with this plugin knowledge?" And he's always just been very purist with this stuff. He's like, "No, I just do it because it's fun and because <laughs> I enjoy making music." Um, and I've always been the opposite. I'm always like business mindset. How can you sell this? How can you make numbers off of this? How can you get attention on it? So we kind of just came together and decided to start this company. And I do all of the all the graphics for it, all of the marketing, all of every promo video. Hmm. Um, and I do the the UI design because part of what I'm doing in school and part of my freelance work that I do involves just uh, doing front end work for websites and web developers. Hmm. Can you uh, can you send this to me? Yeah, hundred percent. I can send you that. We have a distortion plugin. Um, that we've done. And when is this uh, episode going to air, do you think, roughly? 
Uh, so we try to release them every two weeks and we're recording this on the 21st and I have one, two, three, four podcasts that I recorded before this, so eight weeks. Okay. I'll say, yeah, so I'll say this then. We'll probably have something posted by then. If not, this is the first post about it, but it's the Mr. Bill podcast, so whatever. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're working on a series of plugins right now too with, uh, with Nasco. Um, he's been doing some insane, insane like snap heap racks uh, that have been getting a lot of attention and mm. we want to make them into standalone plugins. So that's our main focus after, but I can totally send you all this stuff. Yeah, he. <laughs> this is like my brain just goes straight to the gutter with shit like this. But he was like, oh, I just released this new plugin, End Scream Filter. I was yeah. like, you really <laughs> don't want to be screaming N, bro. That's, that'll get you canceled. <laughs> yeah, he's put, we're going we're gonna to do some improvisation on the names for sure. He's like N Scream, <laughs> N Color. Maybe we'll make it like, X Scream because it's in audio. No, I'm no, kidding, no, but we'll figure something out. Probably be a little... A little more normal. On the nose. Yeah, that's just, I don't know, my, that's just where my brain went, personally. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but we've been doing this synth audio thing for a few months now, um, and I've been focusing on the marketing side, and the same thing, I've just, I've been very, very focused on just business in general. Like, I do a lot of freelance work to sustain myself, like my only jobs I do are, are freelance synth audio, and then the money that I make from music, um, and it sustains me pretty well nowadays, but... I want to know, yeah, what is the most effective marketing strategy for a plugin company that begins with zero followers, zero following, and you know, zero attention? Um, Doing it's, podcasts it's gone very, like this, well, man. very quick. Doing <laughs> podcasts like this, yeah, we um, got some great news articles, some big artists to play around with our stuff and make yeah, some videos. I mean, you got it in a virtual been, riot video, you know, it's massive. The video yeah. is getting a lot of love already. So, and I, I saw it, and I personally was like, shit, that's kind of cool, like. You yeah, know, it definitely made me go and look at the. I, I looked at the page for it, and I was like, mm, thirty bucks, maybe I don't really need it. Like, I have a bunch of resonators yeah. already. Plus, I kind of already mm-hmm. know how to make like whatever type of resonator I want, just out of delays and totally. Shit. And I, I don't know. I was like, do I really need this? But it, yeah, I'll, I'll fuck with it for sure. Um, I'll send it over, man. I'm happy to. We've been sending it to a bunch of artists, and like the whole goal of the company is it's by producers for producers. Like, I'm just I'm really tired of seeing these like absurd price tags on plugins that like. 90% of the community isn't going to be able to afford because 90% <laughs> of the community is below the age of 18 and doesn't have a job. <laughs> so yeah, they're not going to buy a $300, you know, color-based plug-in, whatever is currently trending so that they can make yeah. their favorite aspirations of sounds, right? right? So we're doing this, yeah, this this quick deal, cheaper, low-budget um, plug-in company where Speechrez puts in like a tremendous amount of effort to bug test these things and make it actually useful. Mm. Um, and we want to just send it to like producers that have some influence for free to play around with so mm. that they can see if they like it and it's their choice whether they want to make content with it or not. That's not for us to pay them or tell them to do anything. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'll send you Slap too. I uh, I made a plug-in a while back with this Yeah, company. I've seen that too. I've seen that. Yeah, that one, it's a little more expensive. It's 130 bucks, but like it does quite a lot of stuff. It's uh, yeah. It listens to incoming signal and then it takes however many milliseconds you want from the front of it and either layers or replaces it with any sound you want. But the yep. general use case for it is to replace the start of that sound with a click or a, yep. some sort of textural sample to layer on it or something. So it's really good for drums, like making drums punchy and nice. And then it has obviously like just a, a bunch of um, <clears throat> sort of multi-effects type things. So each yeah. uh, multi-effect part on there was uh, spawned from one of my racks in Ableton. I was like, I always do this, you know, like, this mm-hmm. spray rack to just turn shit up and make it a bit brighter and nicer. And then I have this other rack that I turn up just to sort of like make it tighter and fatter. And basically all the shit that like Virtual Riot was doing to his drums with all of his racks, like slap <laughs> yeah. is just that, but with like five knobs that just do that. <laughs> so did you program that plugin yourself or do you work with people on that? No, I worked with people on that. Fuck that. I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to programming. So basically <laughs> I, I was like, uh, they'll send me debug versions, so basically versions where it's just a bunch of sliders, no GUI or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's the <clears> yeah, starting point. Exactly, yeah. And, and then I would mess with it. I'd be like, doesn't sound right. And then they'd mess with it again. I'd mess with it again. They'd be like, I'd be like, sounds right, doesn't sound right. Or this thing needs to be able to go brighter. When I turn it down, it doesn't go quite low enough. When I replace clicks, it like crushes it, stuff like that. Like just basically... Testing, 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 and they were just sending it to me and, and I was sort of being like the ear and the sort of creative direction guide on it. And then once it sounded mm-hmm. the way that I wanted it to and 
sort of felt the way that I wanted it to. It honestly never really got exactly where I wanted it to. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there was compromises and we sort of just had to stop working on it because we were working on it for like yeah. well over a year and it just needed to come out at some point. Um, because obviously That's like why. sitting around working on shit is like really it's costing you money because you got to eat, you got <laughs> you got to pay rent still. And so like... Um, yeah. yeah. So these... These programmers you're working with, like, are they directly involved in like any EDM production? Like, like how how knowledgeable were they on what you were doing as a producer before they took on the project? <clears throat> well, they contacted me because I made a video about transients, and yeah, I was like, this is how I, you know, work with transients. This is what I do, uh, and you know, if you, yeah, basically that was it. It was a video, and then. They hit me up and they were like, "Well, we could just make a plugin that just does that. If you're interested in working with us, we want to do, um, <laughs> you know, like an artist series thing that just does this." And I was like, "No way! Like, mm-hmm. you're gonna make me a plugin that just does the thing that I always do anyway, and I'll get money for it." And they're like, "Yeah," and I was like, oh, "Well, obviously, like, why would I not do that?" <laughs> yeah, it makes um, sense. Yeah, but they're awesome. They're really, they've been really sick to work with, and I think they. I don't know if they're going to do more like artist series stuff. They've made a few other really cool plugins too. They made this one called mm-hmm. Extractor recently where you like put it on a thing yeah. and just turn it up and then like it just extracts the, the kick drum or the snare drum from it in real time. They're it's de- like an AI tool? Uh, I don't think so. No, they just have really, really incredibly uh, well-written DSP that just it's fast and snappy as fuck, which is why so, we're able to do the transient thing because, I mean, a transient is so short, you know, it's like... Yeah. But we're able to like in real time with barely any latency, take a millisecond off the front and replace it. Like that's, that's the main thing is the latency. Like when working or talking to Speechrez, he's always like, you know, how do I how do I cut down the amount of latency that's happening on these plugins? Because we want it to be snappy. Like mm-hmm. I I got a pitch map, for example, which is I think a pretty trendy <coughs> plugin in the that market right now. That shit is a fucking and CPU it's great, but hog, it, dude. It, Eats your computer, man. Like, yeah. I can't use it without resampling. I have to resample every time that I use it. Yeah. I can't just have it on my rack, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have like a beast of a computer and I can run it, but I don't <coughs> really like to because it eventually will be the first one of the first plugins that starts causing me problems. Yeah, um, you got to let but go. But yeah, this one, for whatever <laughs> reason, I mean, what it is doing is pretty crazy and, and like has to happen like, like fast, like very fast. Mm-hmm. Like in fact... Faster than the length of that snap that I just made with my finger actually yeah. takes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it does it. I mean, there's. Uh, That's I, cool, man. That's really cool. You probably are uh, familiar with like the concept of low level and high level languages, right? Uh, je- the low level ones, yeah. Like yeah. I know of all the languages, sure, but I would I've only like done any sort of basic like CSS coding, Java stuff. <laughs> right. So I, I believe that's potentially high level. I mean, so I'm not a coder. I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about. But from Me neither, mate. <laughs> from my understanding, low level stuff is stuff that can access the resources of your computer more directly, okay. and the high level stuff is the stuff that like tells something to do something. That is accessing. Oh, okay. That defines it better. Yeah, that is accessing your your processor or your RAM and shit more yeah. directly. So, for instance, a low level language like C or C plus or C plus whatever, that shit. It's like it's able to just get direct access to the RAM, direct access to the processor, and all of that stuff. Whereas a high level language like Python, I don't believe is able to fully access the guts of the computer quite that easily, if at yeah. all. I'm not really sure. Um, so my, whatever like, they're doing, knowledge. they're able to just like pull the resources directly and have whatever their plugin is doing take precedence over anything else your computer is doing and therefore it's quick. Mm-hmm. Like my knowledge of coding is really just like web development stuff. I've, I've done a couple of websites and it's just, it's always front end. I let the complicated things go to the, uh, actual developers of course, but just more layouts. So whenever I watch like Mark work. It's like watching some kind of rocket science. I don't know how he's able to actually turn code into sound and he knows exactly what he's doing and how it's going to sound. Sometimes he doesn't know how it's going to sound. We just we play around. It's like an experimental sound design session in a way, but with numbers and letters. Um, and the outcomes be pretty cool. That's kind of like the distortion plugin we have. We have a thing called the Funk. It has a very dumb name on purpose because we that, made yeah. it in a day. Um, <laughs> and we, we were just like very excited by the idea that if there were any cool noteworthy producers that reviewed it they would be using words like zikete and laglorgans to like describe like the knobs in it and stuff 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that was just like a fun experiment of just like what types of weird random distortions can we create by just slapping random lines of cone together. Random lines of cone. Code. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I love slapping together <laughs> random lines of cone. Yo, Cohen one day sound. in Australia, uh, Cohen Sound were playing at a festival and the festival got shut down and all the headlines of the newspapers and shit were like, uh, festival gets shut down, DJ Cone was playing <laughs> and they spelt DJ Cone, I want to say like DJ C-O-N-E. O-N-E, oh my God. <laughs> They're just like DJ Cone. Damn. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the stage helmets look sick. Yeah, stage helmets. <laughs> I should get a helmet. What do you think about yeah DJs that rock stage helmets and don't show themselves? S whatever. I mean, it's no different to a DJ wearing a hat or a glasses or a nose ring or who gives a fuck. It's like it's a it's whatever you're choosing to do. It's your look, you know. And uh, who am I? I mean, bro, I have like the worst sense of fashion on the planet. <laughs> Like, actually, this is another thing that we should talk about. You uh, posted a while ago, you're like, oh, like something about drip. You're like, I put a lot of attention into my drip. And like, you took a photo of yourself and were like, here's what I'm rocking. What are you guys rocking? And a bunch of people were rocking photos of the drip. And lately, I've been thinking, this is something my brother brought up to me. He came and hung out with me for like a couple of weeks recently. He's like, dude, trust me, if you just started wearing better clothes, you get way bigger, way quicker. And I was like, I think that's kind of bullshit, but also maybe you got a point. And it's strange. I kind of want to wear better clothes and shit. Um, <laughs> if anyone listening to this podcast knows what they're doing with clothes, uh, hit me up. Here's my thing with clothes. I'll be totally honest. Okay. I have what's called a panis because I was a mm-hmm. fat fucking kid, right? Which means like I have a okay. gut that like hangs and I'm yep. six foot four, six <laughs> foot four, right? So yeah. if I wear like just like regular, any XXLT, like my gut hangs out of it. So I need to wear XXLTs. So like a tall version, right? Like XXL tall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always just find it really incredibly difficult to find shirts and stuff that fit. Um, cause I don't know, man, I got a fucking weird body. I'm like kind of slim, but like I got this gut thing going on. It's fucked. My body's yeah, fucked. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be totally honest. So basically as soon as good. I just find like any type of shirt that works, which is basically yep. just this like one black shirt that I can just buy off Amazon. It's easy to buy. It's like fucking 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I just buy them all the time because I'm like, I just know it works. Um, yeah. It covers me up, makes me feel comfortable. I'm like, fuck it. I feel comfortable. Who gives a shit? But yeah. if there were some like crazy good option to where I could look pimped out and also that uh, thing was taken care of, then uh, then I'd be down to, to rock some drip for sure. So if anyone listening to this podcast knows what they're talking about in that department, hit me up. So when it comes to clothing stuff, the first thing I want to say is I, I really hope, I really, really strongly hope that there was not a post where I used the word drip because I feel like that is the, <laughs> the most like millennial type of word that you can use in a statement like that. But yeah, I am, I am very, very into fashion. Um, I and I, I, the, the, I think the post, drip, I think you're, refer- I hope not. I hope unless it was unironic or something. Um, but the post that I, I think you're referring to was I was talking about how like, every DJ ever just wears only black on stage. And I was like, mm. are like, do people in EDM like, like, like dressing themselves up? Do they know how to dress themselves up? And then it became a major thread of people just like linking their outfits. And funny enough, some of those outfits were just them wearing all black and being like, Oh, well check out my style. And I was like, well, this is exactly <laughs> what I'm describing, man. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's cool. I think, I think the main thing with clothing is just, it's a form of self-expression. And for me, it's like, I pay a lot of attention to the stuff that I wear and it's not because I want people to be like, Oh, whoa, look how cool the stuff he's wearing is. But I like the idea of just having it reflect how I'm feeling that day. And it's, it's, it speaks a lot. I think just about me when you look into it as cliche as that sounds. And when it comes to yeah, like you finding good places, um, one thing I always recommend to people when they're like, oh, I don't know where to get started. I don't know what to look for is find someone that is your body type. Maybe if you're willing to do this, you have to like actually first step care enough to do this stuff, which is not necessary. Um, but find someone that is close to your body type or close to your height or your clothing size on Instagram that is like a fashion influencer per se. And just look at what they're wearing. See if you like any of their stuff. And then all you have to do is figure out what piece they're wearing and you can order that in the exact size that fits you without even having to try it on online. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Who's my body type? Mm, let me think. 
can't really think of that many. Any, any DJs, any other artists that you've met? I mean, there's not a lot of people who are as tall as me to begin with. Um, I think I think Virtual Riot is actually a similar height to you. He's like the the one DJ that comes to mind when I think like tall he, DJ. He is. He's pretty tall. He's super into like techwear. I want to say. Yeah. If that's not your vibe, then yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. But no, I fuck with techwear for sure, dude. This. Do you know Volleback? Have you ever seen this shit? Volleback? No, I don't. Oh man, this is some shit I actually started looking into recently because here, hold on, I'll show you my screen. Um, yeah, let me see this. This company here, Clothes from the Future. <laughs> it's like a pretty cool epic website. Um, yeah, cool website. <laughs> this is so this got shown to me by Ill Gates, dude. That guy wears some serious drip, some crazy stuff. Uh, eh? uh, let's see, jackets. Um, there's one particular one that blows my mind. It is so they're expensive cool. as fuck for starters. You can um, even see like the texture of them, the quality. This one, this one is crazy. It's like a thousand bucks, but it's made with eleven oh kilometers of copper. <laughs> <laughs> And over time, it like oxidizes. Whoa. So you start to look like- That's pretty you know, cool. Yeah, you start to look like the Statue of Liberty and shit over time. And like, See, this is the stuff that I like in fashion, man. Like fashion to me isn't about brands or expensive like names. It's it's realistically like, you know, what is special about that piece? Like all the shirts that I wear, like I have a closet filled with white shirts, for example. My friends will come over and say, like, why do you need like 15 white shirts? And it's because they all have a slight different fit or a slight different feel or a slight different look. Like they are different. I like the little details and this is a cool little detail. This one is built to keep you warm down to negative 30 degrees Celsius, which for people in America is negative 22 Fahrenheit. It's, an, it's a Canadian jacket. It's a thousand dollars and $1,095. It's built from the strongest fiber ever created. It's 15 times stronger than steel. And it's waterproof. Uh, weighs 640 grams. It's uh, waterproof to over 10,000 millimeters. That's why don't you just why say that? What? Why what? measure it in millimeters? <laughs> they just want the big number. That's just 10 meters. So you can go 10 meters underwater and you'll be dry. Um, why would you do that in your jacket, though? Yeah, look at this shit. You can't you can't cut through it. <laughs> I feel like this is something that like you would wear in Antarctica on an excursion, man. Check like, this out. Someone's trying to like cut it open with like a box cutter. Yeah. And they can't. <laughs> they marked it up pretty well, but cool demo. The colder it gets, the stronger the it stronger gets. The stronger it gets. So it's it's made out of Dyneema, um, which uh, is why it's used to make the mooring lines on giant ships and deep water oil rigs. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's made out of it. Yeah. So anyway, this company here, I guess is like, uh, this, this would cool stuff kind of is like tech wear, wouldn't it? Uh, it's, it's somewhere close to that range for sure. Yeah. What the hell? A solar charged puffer. What is it? Glow in the dark? Yeah. Yeah. Glow in the dark. It has to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my That's God. The, <laughs> that'd be cool for DJing maybe on stage, you know? Yeah. But see what I mean? They only come as XXL. So, so like, I guarantee you I'd buy this shit and it would just be too short and I'd be like, fuck. And so it's just the length that's the issue for you, right? It's, it's always, yeah, it's the length. Yeah. Just because of like height. It's like even if I didn't have a slightly hanging gut, mm -hmm. uh, it would still, it would be like right at my like waistline, yeah. right? And then that might be a perfect fit in that case. But I kind of like shit that like hangs a little bit anyway. Just yeah, yeah, like, oversized a bit. Yeah, like feels more comfortable. A lot of what I wear is very oversized stuff. So I totally feel that, man. I guess you just yeah. got to find some people that are, you know, of similar builds that are, are wearing cool stuff that you enjoy. Like clothing, mm. I think, yeah, is very self-expressive. And if you can figure out what your style is, it's going to say a lot about you. Totally. Just, as much as the self-expression is like a priority, I definitely think being comfortable for me is more of a priority. 100%. 100%. I'll wear like a fucking Buddha cloak that makes me look like I'm totally taking somebody else's religion and shitting all over it just to be well, comfortable can... before <laughs> I will wear... <laughs> Some bonds, uh, Walmart stuff that makes me feel. You can tell when yeah. people are uncomfortable in their clothing, though. It's it's visually there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, how much of uh, you do you think it's like 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 will you wear shit that that you think looks really good if it makes you feel slightly uncomfortable in terms of like the fit and stuff? Definitely not. No, okay. it's that's why there's a lot of experimentation in in my closet, like what I've had to build out over the years. Like there was a mm -hmm. period, um, probably like four years ago, where I was I made a choice. Like, yeah, I want I want to you know start 
figuring out how I want to dress more. I was also just putting on random things. And this put me down this big rabbit hole of fashion and checking out influencers and brands that weren't like Supreme and the annoying kind of companies like that, which bothered me quite a lot, to be honest. Um, and I've just been buying stuff and selling stuff. I don't know if you can see here. I'll show you my camera. I don't know if the podcast will see this. I've got a rack here of clothes that are hanging. And mm. all of the pieces on this rack, I think, look very cool, but they're not comfortable. Bro, so I'm you're selling blocking every single the one of light, them. man. Yeah, well, I've got another window there too. Just fucking light is so sick though. I hate not having like natural light. I, I built this studio specifically with the idea of having tons of natural light and there's still not enough. So I just crank my lights constantly all day as well. I really should have put more. I was, I was in the basement during COVID, my whole studio, and it was sick. It's like I could bring friends down there and it was this little secluded space that it didn't even need the sound insulation. The room is so insulated by itself. Um, and it was a perfect space for production and having people over, but mm. I've started to lose my mind in there because I would, oh, yeah. especially during COVID spend like really, really long hours down there making music and just on discord calls and mm. trying to have some social interaction and not having natural sunlight just completely ruined my sleep cycle. Like I, I needed to move rough. upstairs. I, I do prefer the studio I used to have and I could easily reset it up if I wanted to, but I need the sunlight. I need the time of day changes. Otherwise, just mm. life starts to kind of fade away from you as you make music. Totally. And you could go outside to get those, but, you know, as a producer, who's going outside? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's when you get locked in that production headspace of like, hey, I need to be working on music. Sometimes it's, it's hard for me to get out of my chair, even to get food. I just get so invested yeah. in finishing this idea that I'm working on because... If I do take a break, I'm going to lose the inspiration and then the idea will be garbage, you know? Yeah, the FOMO. You get the yeah, FOMO. Exactly, exactly. The producer FOMO, yeah. Like I talked about getting lonely very easily earlier. Uh, music is the only time where I can be alone because I feel like the music is accompanying me in a way. Like my ideas and the fact that my brain is constantly being challenged to come up with things keeps me uh, keeps me busy and not worried mm. about, oh, I need to be seeing people. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. Although often I'll be like, oh, I'm writing music. I'm still feeling like, you know, a I'm one with music and all of that kind of crap. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to hit uh, stream in my uh, Discord because I don't really feel same like doing here. a full-fledged Twitch stream, you know, where there's a bunch of people watching 100%. Shit. But, you know, it'd be cool to hang out with like four or five cunts and like, yeah, That's get some. exactly what I've been doing in my Discord server. It's like every time, not every time, but a good chunk of times when I'm making music, if it's nothing too serious that I need to be focused on, like I have this this album project that I've been working on for three years. It's getting pretty wrapped up. And anytime I work on anything album related, I'm by myself. Like I, I need that that separation. Um, mm. But I've been doing a lot of remixes recently and just working on some random singles for after the album inevitably drops. And all of those are always in my Discord server. So it's a bit more personal. It's not like a whole Twitch stream where I'm, again, trying to be all theatrical and keep my viewership up. It's just if you mm. want to be there and you want to learn, you can join, you can ask questions, and you can be curious, you know? Mm. I wonder if there's ever going to be a way to, like, aggregate uh, Discord servers um, where you can be like, all right, I want to be in the Paper Skies one, in the Mr. Bill one, in this one, in that one, in that one. And rather than having to click through all of them, click through all the channels, you can be like, I want this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel, all aggregated into this is my like favorites channel or something like that. I feel like that'd be probably find cool. some kind of a Discord mod for that. I feel like for the concept of Discord, it would be a bit confusing, especially for like new users. Like I know when... It, it wouldn't be confusing for the user to receive all of the messages. It'd be confusing when they started typing into that yeah, yeah. Uh, because then it's like which server does it go to all of them and then in which case which one are they responding to I guess you could like hit respond to like each message and respond from that one place and then it would go to the respective place but yeah you're right yeah, I remember the confusion idea. I had when I went from Skype to Discord for the first time like seven six oh, years ago or something God. And it was like, so nice. wait, there's, there's communities in communities. Like you join a community and then there's the general community, which is just the general chat. Like I was just so confused by the fact that you had to join a server and then there were different chat rooms and some of them weren't chat rooms, they were voice calls. And then when you go in there and now they have a thing where you can make sub threads inside of your chat. And yeah. it's just, there's it's the so much the going on awesome. for people. You, you They're sick. The I They're use sick. my fucking Discord, no, not my illegal uh, community one. I use, I have like a whole separate Discord now that I do all of my management through. Like I have like all of my website management, all of my Mr. Bill management, show bookings, like fucking yeah. Beleagle Beats, Beleagle Sound, like everything. I just like aggregate it all there because it's, yeah. we're all on Discord anyway. And like now with the threads and shit, uh, it makes it, yeah, 
Uh, what were you using before that for that kind of stuff, like Slack or Facebook? Or? Bro, everything like Slack, Facebook messages, email, uh, WhatsApp, Discord, yeah. also um, just whatever, Google Docs, Sheets. What, I mean, we still use all that shit too, but it's just all yeah, aggregated yeah. in one spot now. For sure. Mm. It's nice how it keeps it organized. Mm, yeah, yeah. The threads were a, were a game changer. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Do you want to plug anything? Um, well, this would be eight weeks from now. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll quickly say I have this this album project that I've been working on for a very long time now. I'm very excited to start teasing some material on that, and hopefully, What's the album called. I don't know if I should say yet. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know where it's going to be at that point. It's it's uh, going to be a bit of a multi genre thing, leaning towards melodic stuff. No, like no headbangers or anything over the top exciting like that. Just a lot more neuro bases. Maybe more. It's more production Wubs. focused and more on some. What do I enjoy as a Euphoric producer? What chord progressions? Exactly. Yeah, okay. stuff like that. Um, and then I have a remix that probably will be out by now on SoundCloud. Maybe if it does good in the competition on Spotify or something um, for Laxity that has come yeah. out. And if anyone's interested right now, uh, one thing I would plug is if you're interested in my music and you want to see more than that, please check out my YouTube channel because on my YouTube I've been working really hard on like full animated visuals and music videos for every song that I've been releasing uh, since 2022. Um, and it'd be nice to, yeah, get some people over there. Let me see. I'm going to subscribe right now. Wait, Paper Skies Cheers, Aviation? Man. That's not you. No, dude, there's this guy that, that has overtaken me on YouTube when I had, I have had six years of being at the top of the algorithm when you search Paper Skies and this dude came out of nowhere with his insane aviation videos. Son of a <laughs> bitch. All right, yo, yo. Fred again, live dubstep remix. Is that your last that, thing? That's the last one, yep. All right, gotcha. Subscribed. Cheers, cool. man. All right, man. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And um, yeah, man, uh, I definitely uh, you and the crew that you're in are doing some pretty amazing production stuff. So I urge everyone to go check it out. Um, and yeah, man, keep up the good work. Appreciate it, man. And I'll be sending you some plugins soon. Hell yeah, dude. All right, cheers. Cheers, bro. Yo, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. This show is produced and edited by Robert Fumo. You can get early access to the show by going to my website, mrbillstunes.com and paying me instead of Patreon. And remember to go rate and review on iTunes or I'm going to come to your house and punch your dog in the throat, upper deck your toilet and fuck your partner. Note, I may or may not do those last couple of things. Uh, you should probably just go rate it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on because it really helps the podcast. Um, but, but just know that, that it'll go a long fucking way to me not doing those things if you do go do that. So uh, just, just putting that out there. I know what I'm